Are you ready to play the song? Hello. Hello. Brociferous. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 321, Feb 12, 2020. I don't remember this, but in 1990, it got to 59 degrees. And I don't remember this either. In 1875, it was 30 below. And just a note, we're only a few days away from the first 60 of the year uh, in terms of uh, record keeping. It hit 63 degrees in 1921 on Feb 15, which is this Saturday. So uh, we're only a few days away from the uh, first recorded 60 of of the year. 63 and 1921. From the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense. Your mayor, Joe Souchere. Well, speaking of Fratelloni's, uh, Mary Kirk writes us, and she says, Johnny Height made a comment on the Friday Jan 30, 2020 podcast that he has had a nice offer to work at Fratelloni's in the Garden Center this summer. Is that true? Well, to play guitar. Well, yeah. so that's what she's referring yes. to. Yeah. I was wondering if he was considering it. I live in Anoka, and I would definitely shop at Fratelloni's in Andover just to hear him and his son play guitar. How about that? Just saying. Well, that's very cool. Yes, I've already talked to Dylan, and uh, Mike has uh, said he will get a hold of us later, and we'll arrange something. We'll let everybody know. Might you be appearing at different Fratelloni's hardware stores? That wasn't brought up. Mike, I said I'd play anywhere. Mike said, well, you live two blocks or a block. Like a world tour. In my mind, I'm seeing uh, Bill Murray at Saturday Night Live. Star Wars. (laughs) Nothing but Star Wars. (laughs) If you need a rate, go to late seven. (laughs) Uh, when we leave here today, apparently we're going to die uh, oh, no. because oh, no. because I'm ready, Joe. I'm because ready. cold. <laughs> it's no. going to be cold. Uh, which one of you w- were noting or was noting that schools are already being closed? Yeah, yeah. on the crawl. Uh, really? Um, serious weather though is, has been moving through northern Minnesota yeah. since early early this morning. Whiteout yeah. conditions. Detroit lakes. What did I see? Twenty five below already. Well, wind chills Ooh. as uh, cold as forty below. Uh, as the Arctic blast descends on Minnesota, the National Weather Service has issued a number of warnings and advisories across the state, making the weather alert map of Minnesota look something like a patchwork quilt, a patchwork quilt for the next 24 hours. And I guess the, the, uh, our, our young learners are already being uh, sent home uh, because it's, uh, they, maybe they didn't bring their mittens to school today or something of that nature. But when we leave here today, apparently we're going to be uh, in in serious serious trouble because it's winter and uh, it's it gets cold. And now it's are we af- cold. are we afraid of the cold? Is that I'm I'm personally not. I don't like it, but I'm I'm fine right. with it. <clears throat> the uh, a poodle named Seba <laughs> won best in show at Westminster. Yeah, and I'm a lab guy, and I don't think a lab has yeah. ever won best in show. No. And a golden retriever was in the hunt, and that didn't make it. This does not look like a dog. This looks like some harlot who got dressed up for the Oscars. <laughs> it looks like some kind of special Oscars gown. Because this poor dog has had his 
legs shaved except for uh, fur around his feet, and he's got the bad hair. And the, the stereotypical whole deal. poodle cut. What's not? Yeah, but I don't. I don't think of this when I think of a poodle. It almost looks like that dog has the jazzer size. Uh, ankle weights. Yeah, on. Yes, yeah. yeah, it looks exactly like. But that. this is just a, a gowned-up dog that looks foolish. <laughs> Was is there a dog show on Christmas Day? Not that I'm aware of. Christmas Eve? No. There may be New a... Year's Day. No, you're thinking of the Puppy Bowl. No, which coincides with the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, because I watched a dog show over the holiday. It's not Westminster. Is uh, it just called the Dog Show, the National Dog Show? Because I'm fairly certain a lab won. Fairly certain. Well, it wasn't Westminster, and if you don't win Westminster, you haven't won squat. So all the rest of them are just amateur. Yeah, Westminster's hour. where you got to win. Red right. Smith used to do wonderful columns from Madison Square Garden, uh, from the Westminster Kennel Club show, and he would write yes. them as sporting events. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. The, uh, uh, yeah, I got Kenny's answer. The National Dog Show is on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's when it was. And I'm. Uh, can we now? Can we find out if a lab won? I will check for you. Thank you. A golden retriever has never won. A golden retriever has never won. Daniel, the golden retriever, was clearly the crowd favorite last night, and fans chanted his name. Bourbon the Whippet finished second. Hmm. Bono the Havanese, Wilma the Boxer, Conrad the Shetland Sheepdog, and Vinny the Wire Fox Terrier also made the final grouping. That's probably Bono, I'm guessing, not Bono. Bono. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. You caught uh, it. Thor the Bulldog. Bulldog. Thor the Bulldog. Oh, the best that's right. Show. Yeah, Thor the, Bulldog. the Bulldog. That's right. That's right. Poodles come in three sizes, and this was the 10th time one of them has become America's top dog, the first since 02. A standard poodle, last one in 1991. Seba put on an entertaining performance in the non-sporting group judging Monday night, doing the downward dog yoga pose before circling the ring. Yeah, Broomhilda was running her around the yeah, ring. Right, right. Had those giant grandma shoes yeah, right. on. That's my favorite part, yeah, is, me is too. the uh, trainers and the operators running. It's well, You can't beat the movie Best in Show because yeah. it just hits... You, you can see those people in the Eugene Levy characters and Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> and, and the Fred Willard characters. Seba was set to wake up early today to hit the morning TV shows, eat lunch at the famed Manhattan restaurant Sardi's, pose on the observation deck of the Empire State Building, and perhaps walk onto the stage in the Broadway musical Beetlejuice. You don't get any prize money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you, I suppose, for breeding or something, you would get uh, yeah lucrative breeding oh, rights sure. and it's a like lifetime horses. of bragging rights. But I'm sorry, I disagree with the choice of this. This looks like just somebody on the red carpet at the Oscars right. who okay. just picked out a really bad gown. Mm-hmm. So John just played that's... me the footage of that bulldog winning. What a wonderful animal yeah. that was. That was really good. Bulldogs are just fun to look at. Don't you have one? Don't you have a bulldog? I have a, a Yorkie. Oh, I thought uh, one of you no, guys Pomeranian. had a Pomeranian. Oh, no, he's got a pug. pug. Okay. Same thing. I, lost lo- one. I love Smaller. Yorkies. I really do. And, and I'm not joking. Or really? I'm not setting you up. I really do. They're, they're just so cool. They, uh, Piper was what, a good dog. Uh, what do you like, caller? <laughs> John, uh, <laughs> I like bulldogs. Settle down. Okay. John Bansley <laughs> is not going away. Oh, John. Uh, uh, Bill Stein was able to reach him. He was. Our friend in, an, uh, in Aiken. Uh, Wasn't the the guy we talked to yesterday? However, by using my advanced search engine, lardsearch.com, I was able to reach the voicemail of the real John Bansley. Here is the transcript. You have reached John Bansley, chairman and CEO of Bansley Investments. I am unable to take this call as I am in Washington, D.C., attending the quarterly meeting of the Federal Reserve Board. Oh, 
Please leave a message, and I will return your call at my earliest convenience. Um, if, however, you are one of the many annoying morons wishing to dredge <laughs> up that unfortunate phone call I made when I was experiencing the nadir of my former life, let me say I have all the beer I need, as I have recently purchased Kurt's famous microbrewery, maker of the world-famous Kilgore Trout Triple IPA. I have been happily married to Denisha Jackson, the wonderful and beautiful 911 operator who literally saved my life so many years ago. So now please leave me alone. And as always, airborne. I, John Mansley. Uh, I'm, I'm having doubts. Yeah. Bill, really? Bill, yeah. Bill's not, having a little, not sure. Having have a, a little shot of this. I, I don't think he bought the brewery. I'm pretty sure we talked to the real John Bansley <laughs> yesterday. Scott Matura from Montana uh, writes... Uh, we have a new beer on tap at the Greasy Gears Restaurant and Brewery, which I introduced after last spring's garage opener. It's called Bansley's Best. You can get it on tap starting at 10 a.m., pushing back with a Bansley's. <laughs> My name is John Bansley. That's what his message would sound like, too. Right. Yeah, this is John. Stacy writes, just uh, catching up on the podcast, listening in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And, uh, of course, these people do what you people completely fail yes, at what, doing. Uh, let me know what I'm providing an address for uh, the, the real John Bansley in Probably Gary. Probably like Blair Court or something like Gary, that. Gary, Indiana. And uh, Steve Mulholland writing from the belly of the beast in the 5th Congressional District notes, when you boys were discussing the whereabouts of John Bansley, uh, something rang a bell with me. John Heights Research located Mr. Bansley in Hammond, Indiana. That sounded very familiar, and I soon realized Hammond is the town where Gene Shepard author of A Christmas Story, mm-hmm. grew up in the film. Hammond is depicted as the fictional town of Holman, Indiana, and it is where young Ralphie and his family lived. In any case, I hope the magic of the glowing Frigile leg lamps and Red Rider BB guns give John Bansley some much-needed good luck. Keep pushing back, Steve Mulholland. Uh, the address provided for me is in Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. So we got Hammond. Not Hammond. Hammond. Gary. Gary, Gary, Indiana. So we got a lot of people that you're giving credit for finding John Bansley with about six or seven different addresses. No, I'm going to go with Gary. I think Gary is a good one. His Facebook I think... page says Hammond. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think he's a CEO. <laughs> this, this, uh, Stacy. This isn't the GL geologist. Yes. No, Stacy Hanlon. Yeah, she she's married. She got married in Hawaii or something like that. What's she doing in Wyoming? I wonder. Probably testing, testing waiting for uh, the big kahuna to blow up. She <laughs> even provides a search engine she uses to find names. Is that lard? Which you people can't do. Oh, and on well, these computers, can, I'm sure the latest technology. See, Joe, you can do that, but you have to pay for them, so she perhaps paid for it. And See, I'm not going to pay for What's it. What would it cost you, 50 cents? No, it costs a little more than that, Joe. I have to sign up, yeah. yeah. Well, get it from I'm this. on a limited budget right get now. It from, well, get it you from management for the show. <laughs> this ain't like buying a box of stickers. This is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hans uh, writes, I, I have a suggestion for addition to the GL lexicon. Twidiot, a dumbass on Twitter. That's not bad, a Twidiot. 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 See, idiot, Twitter, yeah, I got Twitter. it. I think it's already been done. Probably, but who knows? Hans Hans is contributing. What are you going to do? Does anyone else, note Scott Matura, does anyone else see the irony in a communist winning a primary in a state whose motto is live free or die? (laughs) Apparently they've chosen death. Yeah, right. Because Bernie ain't going to let you live free. He would completely destroy the country. Completely destroy the country's economy, at the very least, and probably the the country's military. Well, it's obvious they opted for death. They opted for death. Yeah. 
Live free or die in New Hampshire. And uh, you went for this fraud, Bernie. This just, it doesn't it just boggle your mind. Yes. And I'm, I'm stepping out of my news guy thing. I know you are. That, that Bernie is this popular with all these people? But I, this I is way out east, though, too. Uh, they don't feel this way in a, in a union town, maybe Ohio, or a union state, maybe. Do you think? Yeah, they do. Bernie, really? Well, you, we, we've been talking about this for a year. Uh, you know, Bernie's appealing to people who want to get a handout. And Man. he's going to take it from you. And then you'll have, really, you'll have nothing. You'll have nothing. <laughs> we'll have double nothing. Double nothing. Right. Say, uh, we're going to be back here. Where are we going? At the old Already? podcast we studio. We started. What's, what's the deal? Uh, Let's stick around a while. <laughs> All right. We're having a meeting today. Uh, uh, I, I, I can already tell. <laughs> Joking. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. You know, Jack's Cafe is located in northeast Minneapolis, and if you have been there, you're very familiar with the ambiance, which is why you continue uh, generation after generation to go not only for the ambiance, for the great food, the great location, northeast Minneapolis, right on University and 20th Avenue Northeast. Uh, they've got some great things happening right now. Sunday brunch. They have a Mardi Gras brunch. I've been to their brunch, and it is a, it's gluttonous. There's food everywhere, and you just keep going back and back and back. Mardi Gras brunch is uh, February 23rd, and also their private dining. If you have a party that you're planning, maybe a wedding, groom dinner, groom's dinner, they've got uh, up to 250 people. They have facilities that they can Get a wonderful meal out, and you won't have to worry about a thing. So call them if you're planning a groom's dinner, a wedding, or maybe just one of your uh, work parties. 612-789-7297. Take a peek outside in the back. It's always decorated for the seasons. And also remember, this is a third-generation family-run restaurant with wonderful ambiance. 612-789-7297. Call for reservations. You need to make a reservation. Go to Jack's. Cafe.com, J-A-X-C-A-F-E.com, and tell them that you heard it on the Garage Logic podcast. I've been admonished by the staff. Well, uh, I wouldn't say admonished. That I've been talking too fast. <laughs> I'm asking you to slow and, it down. And that I am to slow it down. You're a little bit. hyper. Hi, Joe. I don't consider myself hyper. <laughs> I was just speaking with some... Rapidity. Okay. No, you were you were reminiscent of there was a guest fill-in a, a years back that went through a stack of material in the first segment and didn't know what to do. Yeah, about five hours of material. He <laughs> yeah, blew them out in ten bam, minutes. Bam. Looked like he turned on the wind. Uh, the fan flying out of there. I got a great email from Mike Zipko who said an item for your consideration that has some interesting context to the climate change debate. Hmm. There continues to be a great deal of noise related to climate change and the impending crisis or the end of days that is forever promised to be closer to our tomorrow. You and others continually point to the growing sense of urgency to the claims being made by Greta and others. Beyond the fact that activism is its own industry that requires one to cut uh, to out-hype others with claims of impending disaster, a recent Pew Institute poll might suggest another reason for activists creating more outlandish claims. The general public just just does not see it 
the most pressing challenge we face. Analysis of the Pew polling results by Canadian journalist Donna Laframboise shows that climate change ranks 17 out of 18 different issues people were asked about in terms of priority. After a year of the Greta Thunberg phenomenon, student climate strikes and others claiming the end is getting closer, the general public clearly is not convinced. If one were part of the activist industry and had reviewed this information, it's not, it's not hard to see why they continue to get more desperate. No different than a frustrated salesman who can't sell or a preacher screaming to people in a less-than-filled church about the people outside. The more climate change activists try to scare us, the less effective it is in terms of persuasion. Here is info from the Post. There is no evidence that climate change has ever been a top concern for most Americans. In 2007, Pew added global warming to this list of potential top priorities. In 2016, it started calling it climate change instead. Last year, 44% of respondents told Pew that dealing with global climate change should be a top priority. That sounds significant until you notice that every single item on the list received at least 39% support. In such cases, raw percentages are meaningless. What matters is how a topic ranks compared to its fellows. Those results couldn't be clearer. In 2019, climate change ended up in 17th place out of 18. 70% of people said strengthening the economy should be a top priority. 69% said reducing health care costs should be. 68% said the education system needs attention. Uh, uh, and I was provided the link to the, uh, the blog post. The point is that the American public uh, probably intuitively knows that they're attempted to be sold. They're they're attempted to being sold a product, and they're not very interested in it. It has right. nothing to do with their life. And uh, I've learned over the past few weeks from emailers that, and we've overlooked this. A great priority for the world should be sanitation, right? Mm-hmm. Water and plumbing. Uh, there's you know half the world still poops outdoors. Right. <laughs> Well, and that would tie in and go hand in hand with another top priority should be these uh, potential uh, pandemics that are happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which are generally happening in those parts of the world where they're not sophisticated enough to know you shouldn't eat bats. And don't you think the uh, the objective of clean water, the, that's a reachable goal, isn't it? Isn't that something we can all do and work together and... and you know, return yes. the waters back to the person. Yes, their and pristine. you know why? Because you can see water. You can touch it. There it is. Show you me can, climate change. You can measure. I, Show I me what I climate change is. I can't touch yeah. it. I can't measure it. I can't, I can't touch it or measure it. Mm. Uh, but it's a great point that the activists, when they see these poll numbers, they tend to get more desperate because they're failing to sell you their message. Well, their message is basically one of doom. And, and the other thing I don't understand is the, the same people who believe or pretend to believe that we only have 10 years left, why are they on board with all these plans that don't play out till 2040? Yeah. The Green New Deal and, and all of these other BS things that come out of the salon. If we only have 10 years left, why aren't we just living it up and having fun and <laughs> breaking glass and smoking Lucky? That's my plan. Well, that's, I mean, what, there's, no, there's a complete disconnect between the hysteria and the reality. Mm-hmm. There's a complete disconnect. And, and by the way, it's a, it's, a, it's a desperation to take over the world. It has nothing to do with the environment. Well, nothing. There, what nothing. was the quote? There was the quote from Bernie. 
Give me a minute, I'll find it. A lot of quotes from Bernie. Oh, it was <laughs> it was it was something to the effect of this campaign isn't just about beating Trump, it's about changing the country. Well, of course. Oh, it was something he's a Marxist, it was something you know? to that effect. You know. He's a commie. Mm-hmm. He's a pathetic old man. Oh. And he would hurt this country far more than Donald Trump ever could. That would be my contention. 100%. Which is ridiculous after what this country has actually done for him. Oh, God almighty. He's got about three houses, millions of dollars. Right. He's just a fraud. Yep. Never accomplished anything. Remember, all you Bernie people, he was in the House from 1991 to 07, and in the Senate from 07 till the present, and has never accomplished oh, a, a thing. Wait a minute, Joe. There was that library. Deal. No, no, no. Post office. No, post office. And he got a centennial day for New Hampshire or Vermont or wherever the hell he's from. I have a Bloomberg question. Here I know I, I, am ha- I, know I had one yesterday, too, but I have another one today. This guy has more money than he knows what to do with, right? He's attempting to buy the presidency. He, he's got all these private planes, multiple <laughs> homes. Why does he want to deal with this nonsense? Well, why did Trump they want love to? power? Is Ego. that what it is? It's Ego. just it's specifically power. <coughs> power. Why does he just? Do you truly believe that in his heart he thinks he can make this country a better place? Bernie? No, uh, no uh, Bloomberg, Michael. You know what? Honestly, Kenny, I I probably bet he does in his own warped sense of reality. Yeah. How could it be a better place? It's a pretty good place. Yeah, how, I don't disagree. How long ago did he switch parties, Joe? I, I don't remember him as a well, Republican. He was a Republican mayor of New York, wasn't he, Johnny Hank? Was he? I'm not sure. I believe so. I'm on it. He, yeah, they're just going to go where it's convenient for them to go. You recall that I was wondering, or I told you that St. Thomas didn't want my old columns? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, Downing notes, why don't you take those old columns from your personal collection to the state fair? Or your next happy hour. Huh? Sign them and sell them for 10 bucks with proceeds going to GL's favorite charity. Or just drop them off at Grunhoffer's and they can use them to wrap meat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks a lot, Doug. Oh, wow. He's referring to Grunhoffer's old-fashioned meats at the north end of Hugo. On Highway 61, you can't miss it. It's just become a fabulous go-to place for all your grilling needs, cooking needs, meat needs. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. Right now you can lay in about 14 different kinds of summer sausage, fresh pork belly and side pork, pre-made oven-ready meatloaf. Doesn't that sound good on a cold, uh, blustery night? Are you kidding night? me? Huh? Yeah. Take something home from the dog. You probably end up chewing around it yourself, but take home some smoked <laughs> dog bones and pig's ears for the dogs. Uh, you're in the kitchen making soup. How about oxtails, beef shanks, pork hocks, fresh and smoked, pork neck bones. Also a new brat, beer cheese brat, pork cheese brat, cheese curds, bacon, green onion, cheddar cheese. This is this is top drawer stuff, uh, an affordable luxury. To go like out to Grunhofer's, take the meat home and say, kids, guess what we're doing tonight? What are we doing? We're grilling the brats outside. I don't yeah. care if it's 38 below windshield. Hell no. We're GLers and we're tough. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. Yes, you in the back? Uh, he was a Republican from 01 to 07. He was an independent from 07 to 2018. And according to his own Wikipedia page, he has been part of the Democratic political party uh, before 2001 and 2018 to the present. Yeah, he was a lifelong Democrat before he seek, uh, sought 
elective office. Well, he'll do whatever he has to do. Yeah, he'll be whatever he has to be. He's he a has flip-flopper. No, he has no conviction. He's so. a total flip-flopper. Flip-flopper. He sure made a well, bleep load of money, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Wow. Don't. don't. I read his story. story. No, John, don't John. say it. Please okay. don't. His story is a real, true success story where he just put this out Oh, I think together. he actually worked. Oh, oh yeah. No, it's yeah. a... Yeah. 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 No. I mean, well, there's some you could... Just so you know, though, I, I am not I, envious of his billions. Make an argument. I'm just saying no. you could make an argument. I'm yeah. <laughs> not saying I would. I have to do some checking. Okay. okay. I'm going to well, go one right here. Sure. We got go one right off. here. Got that one done. And yeah. I'm going to go one. one right here. Not a boy. And I'm going to do this one. Ketchup. Uh, nope. Uh, fries. Nope. Love the sound of pencils, right? Love oh, pencils. Love that sound. I have, and a then we got I have a question. Yes, you. What were you going to say, John, that they tried to. No. What? No, please don't. What? Please. Well, nothing. It's just What's perhaps ten years ago we might have a president that was oh, a Democrat. So, Gee, oh, I'm just saying. It's not uncommon for them to Leave switch. Leave me alone, Jay Hyde. Well, we had our own Normie switched. Oh yeah, Normie switched. <laughs> you they you all literally switched. cannot control that, can you? I, I, you asked if you hadn't asked. I thought I it was going to be something would... innocent, not that it was going to make well, our that's listeners. That's a fact. Our, what do you want from me? Make our listeners May I hate speak? us. Sure, I made so this it's your show, Joe. It's your show. Uh, got a great uh, idea from Tim Bilstrom in Mississippi, who uh, suggested <laughs> that we should interview Susan Kimberly. And I chastised myself for not thinking of that. Nobody knows more about the political scene in oh, St. Paul yeah. than Susan Kimberly, formerly a guy named Bob Sylvester, who was an extremely successful investment banker and had the ear of Norm Coleman and was a really connected political guy who became a woman in the late 80s and now has a play in St. Paul called uh, Superman Becomes Lois Lane, if yes. I'm not mistaking what the is, title. Be, besides that, what has she been up to? I haven't heard her name in well, years. She's had her political foot in the door. I mean, she was well-connected with everybody, but I think it's just I don't know what the she's, I don't know what she's been doing for a living, and it, it may very well be that she didn't need to work. But mm. in any event, I called her uh, today. We had a nice chat, and she is agreeable to oh, come on good. with us. Uh, she wants to let her play run its course first because she specifically designed the play to be apolitical. Oh, it has that makes nothing, sense. It has nothing yeah. to do with politics. So she doesn't want to discuss right now the uh, uh, political situation in St. Paul. Suffice it to say that uh, in the event uh, when we have her, uh, she will have plenty to say about, and she's a liberal-thinking woman. She's a left-leaning woman, and... And she'll have a plenty to say because she told me, you know, we often disagree, but I, uh, I never miss reading you, and and I think we could have a hell of a chat. So that's coming up, uh, maybe in the spring, for example. Sure, you know, so because that would be a real insider's look. Oh, I look. bet. Yes, absolutely. Sit and, and well, run. you could put your theory to the test. Would uh, would Latimer or Mayor, Mayor Coleman get away with having? Twenty eight. No, of course not. At this cost. But part of that is is the decline of American journalism. You know, when well, the St. Paul Pioneer Press had a city bureau over there of seven people there every day, uh, no mayor would have had the the, the uh, gall to attempt that. They would have been laughed out of office. Now they have one that's doing a podcast. Right. <laughs> Who? You. Oh, no, I was never a city bureau. No, 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 but I mean, you're the only one monitoring it. Well, no, uh, Fred Mello is, and uh, we're doing the best we can with no staff. With a closet. Right. In, in the closet. Her knowledge base can't be limited to St. Paul, though, because uh, I have some questions and comments about my side of the river. I'm sure she'd be happy to discuss that. That'd be fun. But that's coming up in the future. In the meantime, we'll be back.
now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Souchere. And John Height. Thank you, Joe. Drivers advised not to travel in northwestern Minnesota Wednesday morning. A blizzard warning for the eastern Dakotas and western Minnesota posted as snow, strong winds, and plunging temps moved in. The storm created difficult travel conditions early Wednesday. A large number of schools canceled classes, including North Dakota State University and Minnesota State University Moorhead. According to the Minnesota State Patrol, some roads were closed due to blowing snow, causing whiteout conditions. Uh, We do expect light snow to move into the Twin Cities later Wednesday before temps drop. Then winds, this is the fun part, could gust as high as 40 to 50 miles an hour. That will, of course, cause blowing and drifting snow and poor driving conditions Wednesday night into Thursday in the Twin Cities. Uh, Also significant temperature drop Thursday with the wind making it feel 25 to 30 degrees below zero on Thursday. What's 28 plus 17? That's 45? 45 45 days to opening day. That's what's getting me through tomorrow. (laughs) I love wind. Who has reported? Anybody? Or pitchers and catchers? Oh, they're all, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're there. Everybody? Oh, yeah. Well, the, I believe their first full workout is today, but I don't think the veterans need to report until Monday. Only 45 days? I know. March 28th is opening day. That's too early. You know who's wow. probably one of the happiest guys in the world huh. this year? Joe Maurer. Not right. having to go down to report to spring training, go through all those motions. And yeah, just... but they're going to be really good this year. No, but I'm just saying me? he doesn't have to do all that stuff. He's, what do you he's think retired. that's retired. It's not ditch digging. No, but I'm just saying it's a it's a she's a grind. Yeah. I, take it from me, I uh, yeah. I got it. <laughs> Hennepin County Commissioner Mike Opat, the prime architect behind construction of Target Field, will not seek re-election in November after nearly three decades in office. 58-year-old D.F. Eller said it's been a great honor to serve on the county board, but he says the time is right for him to move on to new challenges. Opat lives with his family in Robbinsdale, represents the county's first district. To say I've been proud to represent the district would be an understatement, he said. This district is home to the extended Opat family, many new Americans, and lifelong suburban residents. Opat is the third of Hennepin County's seven commissioners to announce they're leaving the board at the end of the year. Commissioners Jan Calliston and Jeff Johnson have announced they won't seek re-election this fall. Opat said, as of now, he does not have a new job lined up, but he said he wants to pursue another career before he has to retire. Residents along Wooddale Avenue in St. Louis Park are bracing for a battle over bike lanes. The city of St. Louis Park is considering a plan that would add bike lanes with parking bays along Wooddale Avenue. According to the city's, uh, 50 parking spots would be lost in the process as well as 10 trees. According to a statement from the city spokesperson, the project is part of a 10-year plan to add more bikeways, sidewalks, and trails throughout the community. <laughs> the goal? enhance walking and biking in the city by connecting destinations like parks, businesses, the rec center in St. Louis Park, and the cities of Edina and Minneapolis. How about that? You want to go for a nice walk tomorrow? Saw a bicyclist today on the uh, bike lane on Pelham Boulevard. Saw one, yeah. I also noted Monday that it was getting plowed before virtually all the streets in St. Paul were plowed. You're kidding. Can I turn that into a positive? Sure. I've been hanging out with Schoonover too much, so I'm getting really positive. I like that fact because it gets them... Out of my way. But yeah, but they want to take there, out 10 there's trees. That, that, there's uh, no riding in the winter. That uh, No, there is. No. As a matter, no, Joe, every morning when I get here, I'm walking in. One of the disc jockeys is all bundled up and getting on her bicycle and riding home. Okay, that's one. And I see these kids <laughs> and these people riding their bikes in the winter. 
And when I see that, especially that stretch of that uphill stretch of Pelham, and they're out of my way, and I got my foot to the floor, daddy's a happy traffic man. I'm glad that you have found that to be a ray of hope. I'll accept that. Thank you. But isn't there irony that in St. Louis Park on Wooddale, they want to take out 10 trees in order to put a bike lane? And you, that, can get to, you can always find a tree. Yeah, yeah. I can get you, a tree. get you a tree. But that is being protested. Yes, in the, fact, there's a public hearing on the topic February 18th. They could vote as early as March 2nd. I did notice, by the way, and I'm, I'm late to this, and you've talked about it plenty, but I happened to be in St. Paul yesterday. Mm-hmm. Those roads. I know they're pretty yeah. bad. It's unbelievable. Well, the main thoroughfares you be, are fine. Well, this was not. This was a, a, a residential area. Oh, sure, I know where you were. You know where I was. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's nuts. It's, oh, like, it's, driving, it's You could might as it's well. It's like going dri- off road. Yeah, you might as well be driving in the country. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You guys remind me of snowmobilers when the trail hasn't been plowed in the last 10 minutes. Oh, these trails are just unreasonable. I drove all the way from the Twin Cities. And it has blah, no blah, blah, blah. Boy, nothing. Uh, I'm something special, and oh, my God, I can't deal with this. There's nothing similar to a snowmobile trail. <laughs> Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire's presidential primary, edging uh, rival Pete Buttigieg. Live free or die. Scoring the first clear victory in the Democratic Party's chaotic 2020 nomination flight. Uh, in his win, uh, the 78-year-old Sanders, a self-described democratic socialist, beat back a strong challenge from Buttigieg and, of course, Amy Klobuchar, an unexpected high third-place finish. It gives her a road out of New Hampshire as the primary season moves on, a string of state-by-state contests that lie ahead. Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden posted disappointing fourth- and fifth-place finishes, respectively. Uh, they were on track to finish with zero delegates. You can put a fork in Biden. Yeah. And soon, I hope we can put a fork in Sanders. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. A Warren. A Warren. 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 Well, Amy's got to be close, too, isn't she? No, no I think she Amy's surging. So Amy's right. surging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Scan boy. Well, crazy debate. Well, that's the whole deal. Did write a little song, too. All right. But it's got a couple stories. Is it about, it. Is it about New Hampshire? <laughs> it's about New Hampshire, the first half, and then the second half is about my next story. And which, I believe the title of this song is called Jay Height at GarageLogic.com. <laughs> yeah. You might get a few, yeah. <laughs> Bernie won New Hampshire, but Amy did pretty well. Now only nine more months of election hell. <laughs> the Dems have several commies while well, Trump goes it alone. If you commit a crime, just hope you're Roger Stone. <laughs> oh, oh my God. God, John, why? The DOG folded <laughs> under William Barr. By this time next year, maybe we'll all just be saying czar. Oh, wow. Oh, Johnny Height. Hey! Johnny Get it? Get it, czar? Yeah, oh, we, hey, got it. we got it. We got it. And then we better put a minor coordinator there to make it sure. very dramatic there. Okay, sorry. I, you know, yeah, and the name of that tune Thank again. you, comrade. The name of that tune again was Jay Height <laughs> at garagelogic.com. Call me now. Yeah. Uh, now, that uh, second part of that song is referencing this story. Four lawyers who prosecuted Roger Stone quit the case Tuesday after the Justice Department said it would take the extraordinary step of lowering the amount of prison time it would seek for President Trump's longtime ally and confidant. The decision by the Justice Department came just hours after the president complained on Twitter that the recommended sentence for Stone was, quote, very horrible and unfair. The Justice Department said the sentencing recommendation was made Monday night before Trump's tweet... But prosecutors had not spoken to the White House about it. And four attorneys, including two who were early members of Robert Mueller's Russia team, had made up the Justice Department's trial team and had signed on to a Monday court filing that recommended up to nine years in prison uh, for Stone. Uh, after all this uh, happened yesterday, they 
uh, change that recommendation to three to four years. A grand jury returning a six-count indictment accusing actor Jesse Smollett of lying to Chicago police. The charges stem from Smollett's assertion that he was the target of a racist and homophobic attack in January 2019. Special Prosecutor Dan Webb issued a statement announcing the indictment. Smollett, who was uh, black and gay, remember, he was originally charged following a, a month of disorderly conduct for allegedly staging the attack and lying about it to investigators. The charges were dropped. March 2019, with no explanation, angering police officials and then-Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Cook County Judge Michael Tooman in August appointed Webb, a former U.S. attorney, as a special prosecutor to look into the whole thing. Webb was also charged with looking into whether Fox's calls with a Smollett relative and an ex-aide of former First Lady Michelle Obama unduly influenced the decision to drop charges. Smollett told police he was walking home January 2019 when two masked men approached him, made racist and homophobic insults, beat him, and looped a noose around his neck before fleeing. He said his assailants, at least one of whom he said was white, told him he was in MAGA country, referencing, of course, Make America Great Again. Well, haven't we haven't we determined this was all BS? Yes, okay. the whole okay. thing was. Right. Yes, yeah. the whole thing was. That's why he's being charged. I get it. Right. Several weeks later, authorities alleged Smollett had paid two friends $3,500 to help him stage the attack because he was unhappy with his salary as an actor on Empire and wanted to drum up publicity for his career. Wow. We have a, another world's oldest man. He's from Japan. 112 years and 344 days old. Man. Jitetsu Watanabe mm. was born in Nagata in northern Japan in 1907. He's at a nursing home right now. The previous record holder, Mazu Nonaka, died last mm. month. He was another Japanese fella. The oldest living person is also Japanese, Kane Tanaka. She's a woman, 117 years old. Until uh, about a decade ago, Watanabe used to do bonsai, the Japanese traditional art of raising small sculpted trees, and had his work exhibited. These days, he doesn't do much, he says. He just loves to eat desserts, like custards <laughs> and cream puffs. <laughs> so you, you seem like a guy that could use some bonsai trimming. Yeah. Is it that, is. Would that calm you down, make you happy? I'm very calm. Chill you out? Very calm. <laughs> Because it has the opposite effect on me. Make it, it, it fills me with rage. Right. Is what it does. Oh, uh, bonsai is very good and calming. In the mid-80s, there was a um, karate instructor that uh, featured bonsai and very oh. odd techniques to... Uh, He's yours. Very, no, you said it. Unconventional <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. Miserable failure. Including the bonsai. I, I don't want to hear anymore. I, yeah, he was, a, he was a custodian. I had no was, idea. Yeah. Joe... I, had no idea. I can't uh, stomach these references to meaningless movies. Uh, I don't want to hear them anymore. Well, Watch something decent once in a while. Asked, a asked about the secret to longevity, Watanabe has this advice. You can shut up. You're his little accomplice <laughs> right. down there. He's you over, think it's funny. He's Cobra Kai over there. Yeah. Joe, perhaps you should listen to Mr. Watanabe's advice, secret to longevity. Don't get angry and keep smiling. <laughs> John, you win, my friend. You oh, win. Well, it was right there. I, mean, I couldn't help it. Oh. Uh, I do plenty of smiling. All yes, right? you do, Joe. Yeah. Yes, you, you do. Bitch. Yeah, yeah, you bastard. You bastard. <laughs> I almost said something else. Yeah, you did. <laughs> A man driving 80. Well, here's another uh, for uh, Kenny with his drug thing. Uh, the people who deal with drugs, they, they should be a little smarter. 
A man driving 85 miles an hour as he careened among cars and lanes during rush hour on Interstate 5 in Southern California with his wife and infant son in the car was arrested after U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents discovered more than 50 pounds of cocaine in the vehicle. Holy cow! The agents pulled over. How fast were they going? uh, 85. Yeah. Uh, Agents pulled over the 34-year-old man, who they did not identify yet publicly, saying he needs to be charged yet. They pulled him over when they saw him driving erratically in a 2012 Nissan Altima. About 4.45 in the afternoon, when they followed him to San Clemente, uh, which is about halfway between San Diego and L.A., where he continued frantic driving. He then pulled into a shopping center parking lot, where he and his wife jumped out of the car and walked away at a fast clip. The agent said they approached the couple and asked for consent to search the vehicle. The man agreed... Agents discovered a duffel bag in the car trunk that contained 20 brick-shaped packages of cocaine. Did you guys watch The Mule, the Eastwood movie? Yes. No, I haven't I, seen it. No. I couldn't work but up the, the courage. Uh, but the 85 miles per hour reminds me of a story about a, you know, you've heard this story about the elderly Jewish woman in Detroit. I, I don't think mm-hmm. I She was stopped no. going 70 and a 40. Okay. Oh, my. And the policeman stopped her, and she said, what's the problem, officer? And he said, can I see your license? And she said, I don't have a license. He said, what do you mean you don't have a license? Well, I don't have one. I'm legally blind. I don't have a license. Can I see the registration of the car? No, I stole this car. Well, who'd you steal it from? Well, I didn't stop to ask the guy. I I stole the car, then I killed him. Oh, (laughs) I didn't see this in the news. I chopped him up, and he's in the trunk. At this point, the police officer is terribly concerned. He calls his superiors. I need some help out here. I have a very strange situation. And they get out there, and... and, uh, the uh, original officer says to his superior, she says she's got uh, the person she stole the car from in the trunk. And they take the keys from her, and she gets out of the car and goes with her to the back of the car and open the trunk. It's tidy as hell. There's no body in there. And the uh, superiors say, well, do you have a license? She said, well, of course I have a license. Here's the license. And Wait a minute. Do you have a registration of this car? Of course, it's my car. She reaches in the glove box and says, here's, here's the registration. Well, we were told that you stole the car, you couldn't see, you didn't have a license, you couldn't produce a registration, and that you killed a, a fellow that you stole the car from. And she says, I suppose they told you I was speeding, too. <laughs> but <Ba-dum-bum-bum. laughs> That's pretty good. That's which, not bad. Which not brother bad. did that one come from? Uh, it came from a, a banker friend of oh, mine. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's a stand-up guy. I can't remember his name. He's pretty. He tells it pretty good. I think I think I did pretty well myself. Yeah, you did, there. right? Yeah. You had me going there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me too, yeah. Uh, super Giant Star. Uh, now, I looked this up. There's many pronunciations. I'm going with Betelgeuse. All right. Okay, it's B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. All right. It's been getting dimmer at an unprecedented pace over the past few months. Uh, that could mean, could mean it's getting ready to collapse in a supernova explosion. What would that mean for us? It wouldn't mean anything bad, but you'd have amazing light shows even during the daytime, oh, they say. Really? Cool. Yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Veteran Villanova University astronomer Edward Guinan has been watching Betelgeuse for decades and reported earlier this month the star appears to be the least luminous and coolest yet measured from our 25 years of looking at it. Uh, it's well known that it's only going to be around about, uh, at least at the most, 100,000 more years and could start its death. Oh. Well, it could, In other words, we might oh, miss these so we're not Well, it could happen at any time, though, I too. See. If it goes supernova, it's expected to result in a dramatic light show that could be visible in daylight and appear brighter than the full moon for a few weeks. Uh, The last time this happened for humans uh, was when one went in the 17th century, so in the 1600s. Oh, boy. However, 
Astronomer Tony Phillips points out uh, there could be other reasons for this, too. Uh, it could have an explanation, like it's just a giant sunspot covering it or clouds of stellar dust. So we don't really know. Are you aware of, and I've waited till this story appeared in legitimate news sites, are you aware that... Uh, Earth is receiving radio signals from space. I yeah, did see this. On, yes. on the dot every 16 days. Mm-hmm. Yep. Between September 16, 2018 and October 30, 2019, researchers with the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment Fast Radio Burst Project collaboration detected a pattern in bursts occurring every six every 16.35 days. Over the course of four days, the signal would release a burst of two each hour, then it would go silent for another 12 days. Mm-hmm. The findings are included in the preprint of a paper on ARXIV, meaning the paper has been moderated but not fully peer-reviewed. The authors of the paper are part of the CHIME slash FRB collaboration, which has published a multitude of fast radio burst studies in recent years. Uh, Researchers hope that by tracing the origin of these mysterious bursts, they can determine what caused them. So far, they have traced... A single and repeating fast radio bursts back to very different sources, which deepens the mystery. Well, who's out there? Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> oh, I wonder what this yeah. is. It's so regular, the time frame. Mm-hmm. It has to be something. Maybe right? maybe the stuff in space just makes noise. You know, the sun yeah. makes noise. It does? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes noise. How's it go? Like a squeaky <laughs> bed <laughs> in yeah. a flop house. Right. But but uh, you know. no. But seriously, maybe maybe things in space make noise, and it just every sixteen days we happen to be hearing some of it. I am I'm not I am not a uh, astrologist or a researcher, but no, no. Uh, I'll say. <laughs> now the evidence of a pattern in the signal adds to the question of what could cause these bursts to emit the way that they do. It's just how they do. They're out there, folks. Didn't and we, you, it's a mystery that we can't figure out. We're trying to reach it. Didn't you, a few <clears throat> weeks ago, you had an item where the, it's maybe somebody in the Defense Department or Pentagon admitted that, yeah, they're out there? Well, yeah, the Navy has allowed their pilots to say, yeah, we were confronting these these uh, tic-tac-looking devices over uh, off the coast of San Diego, and they could maneuver in ways that we're that are humanly not possible. They released the video. They released the, the video yeah. of it, and uh, it's all on the up and up, because this isn't coming from the Daily Star. It's coming from very credible Navy pilots. It's just fantastic stuff. There's a lot going on that we don't know anything about. Meanwhile, we're all still paying mortgages like a bunch of chumps. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go here. Trying to quit smoking and lose weight right. and not be drunk off your ass every night, Such. No, not me. <laughs> not me. I got too much reading to do to keep up with this show. We'll be back. <laughs> Recently, you were inundated with countless home and auto insurance ads around Super Bowl time. Did you really listen to these ads? What were they trying to tell you? They are on your side. Let's hope. They've seen a few things. That's obvious. I truly don't know about you're in good hands or double check. What are we checking? They are only one company with one agent. No options. All of them. No options. Call the Canopy Group. Our message is clear. You get 16 companies and 20 professional agents. As home and auto insurance needs change, the Canopy Group will help you find another insurance company to meet 
your individual needs. No fancy ads, just the simple promise of providing you the best insurance company at the best price, year in, year out. New clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Call the Canopy Group at 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Fellas, I received a love letter. Do you have any romantic music? Give me some romantic music. This, this is, is very. Romantic. This is the. This is the most loving letter. No, it's not. This is. I need. I mean, I need hand holding. Sitting in Starter. the. Sitting in the back Starter. of the sedan music. Sure. Uh, and it's from Alex uh, from Woodbury, and he's absolutely right on the mark with this you email. You were one minute away <laughs> from a Saint John music. style meltdown. I- Please, what what is wrong with you two? That was Alex. I thought maybe it was music. You did that? I did it. Just sit there and shut up for five minutes while I talk about DK Mags. Uh, Dear Kenny, I stopped into DK Mags over the weekend. Turns out New Brighton isn't that far away. I honestly had no idea if it was 15 minutes or an hour. And this is where I love this letter. Maybe some rough coordinates could help in future ads. It wasn't that far away. We're not all geography traffic dorks like you. I would have never visited if it weren't for them supporting GL. And boy, am I glad I did. Two things stood out uh, from the visit. And here's where it actually gets interesting. First thing, I told him I had just filed for my permit to carry, so I wouldn't be buying anything that day as I legally couldn't. Just snooping and learning. They weren't offended by that. They thanked me for stopping by. They were very patient. And that's what I've been preaching for a long time about the guys at D. Mags. Number two, new to firearms, and I found two flavors of gun shops. The most common flavor is a gun counter filled with saps with zero opinions and or knowledge, which makes them useless to me. And the other common and disgusting flavor is a gun counter filled with guys so stuck on Glock or one other brand that their opinions are so pushy that they are also useless. The DK Mags team had knowledge and opinions on every gun. This is not romantic. Get rid of this. I'm busy doing an ad here. Uh, they also... <laughs> they wow. All, <laughs> I almost was able to pull that off. Uh, here we go. They also offered opinions on what guns would be the safest and best options for somebody new to firearms. That is wonderful. Uh, their opinions weren't pushed. They were simply offered and highly appreciated. Big thumbs up to DK Mags, the whole team there. Thanks for letting me know they exist. Uh, and DK Mags in New Brighton, they have all the accessories you can ever dream of. If they don't have the firearm you need, they can order it right away. True GLers, these guys are. Uh, awesome gunsmithing. I absolutely love this shop. I know you will, too. Uh, and better yet, they've got to join up in Monticello, Monticello Pond and Gun. Go to dkmags.com, and thank you, Alex. You're welcome. On the state of Minnesota flag, there are 67 circles, 19 stars, at least six colors, three dates, flowers, one French phrase, and between three and seven pine trees, depending who you ask. As far as flags go, Minnesota state flag has a lot going on. It's a branding nightmare, according to critics, which I think is a euphemism for saying they wish to change the flag and make it more sensitive. (laughs) And then there's the naked Indian spear in hand, riding bareback on a horse toward the setting sun under the gaze of a white farmer plowing his field, his rifle and powder horn within reach. Some say that's offensive, a diminution and glorification of a history that we now see differently than we did around 1858 when Minnesota and the nation wage war on Native Americans and when the image was adopted as the state seal. 
Some lawmakers say it's high time to do away with it. On Tuesday, the first day of the 2020 Minnesota legislative session, a proposal that could lead to a new flag was among those Democrats brought forward. Before we continue, let me suggest that there is nothing aggressive between the farmer in his plow and the Native American on horseback. If, if nothing else, it seems to have captured the two dichotomies of the state. I got a guy here with my plow, and there goes uh, Chief, uh, you know, the chief riding by. Right. Well, I, I, there's nothing to suggest that they uh, are at war with each other. Right. I don't know why it's so dismissive. The Indian uh, got a prominent place on the flag. I'm sure it's a conversation I can't win. Uh, what are they proposing to do? They want, what do they want to get rid of here? Uh, Representative Peter Fisher, DFL Minneapolis, the lead sponsor of a bill that would create a task force to look at redesigning the flag. So the whole thing. Then. Right. Fisher first drafted his bill two years ago when several students from Matamita High School approached him with complaints about the current flag. Primarily, they said it was a wasted opportunity for the state to brand itself. Matamidai is a Sioux Indian name that means white bear. Mm-hmm. Matamidai is named for a, a Native American word. Right. But these kids are, uh, you know, they're full of their own virtue. I wonder if they know that. The argument resonated with Fisher, who had worked in the private sector. The state flag is your brand, he said. Target's got the big red dot. What do we have? Well, you've got a beautiful flag. You've got well representation. <laughs> Second, guessing the state flag has been an on-again, off-again pastime of Minnesotans for decades. The Pioneer Press held a contest to redesign the flag in 1989. In 2000, a Republican lawmaker proposed establishing a commission to look at redesigning it. My God. The idea failed to gain traction, but resurgent, but I'm sorry, but resurged after the North American Vexological Association, that must have something to do with flags, huh? Flags. Uh, uh, Ranked Minnesota's flag 67th out of 72 flags of U.S., Canadian states, province, and territories. The Pioneer Press held another contest in 2001, awarding uh, first place to the North Star flag. But again, nothing actually happened. Still, the issue has remained alive in certain quarters, including online map design forums and civic classrooms. Fisher said he'd like to see his bill approved by Democratic-controlled House this session, but he said it's unlikely if it doesn't gain traction in the Republican-controlled Senate. Asked about the issue Tuesday, Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, Republican Niswa, responded, I am not focused at all on changing the Minnesota flag. I like the way... I like the way it is. Why does it always have to turn into an instant political issue right away? Well, plus, my goodness. Plus, Jesus. do you really think the flag has been used for marketing purposes? No, it's. it's I'm, I'm unaware if that's been the case. I've never seen it anywhere other than on a flagpole. For example, when the Super Bowl was here, I did. I didn't sense any presence of the Minnesota state flag having a marketing role. No. Uh, once in a while, I see a Minnesota state flag maybe in front of a lakeshore property okay. raised yeah. on a flagpole. Sure. Right. That's really the only time I've ever seen one. And isn't the place for a state flag underneath the uh, our United States flag? I've seen it underneath the American I, flag. I think that's the way it's yeah. supposed to be. Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, did you read the motto or phrase out loud? Etoile du Nord? And what does Star that mean? Star of the North. L'Etoile du Nord. Yeah, Star, Star of the North. Of the North. Yeah. Okay. North I think Star. it's a lovely flag. It's never... See, see. here's what the left does. The left uh, throws a darkness into the ring. 
See, I never looked at the flag and thought uh, somehow the white uh, farmer is being dismissive of the, his Native American brother. <laughs> but that's because you're not woke. I guess I'm not woke. <laughs> yeah, you ain't woke, bro. That's in the headline. This flag's not woke. <laughs> no, no seriously? Pioneer, Pioneer Press. Good piece by Dave Oreck. Should Minnesota change the state flag? Some lawmakers say it's too jumbled and not so woke. Wow. It is very crowded. There's so what? A lot of stuff going they had a lot there. of stuff on their mind in 1858. <laughs> they put a lot of stuff in there. Get some beans on it. I, I guess I'm going to live either way. It's inevitable that we're going to continue to sanitize anything, anything that might smack of some sort of ethnic or racial insensitivity, although I personally don't see it here. See, I don't see it, not because I don't believe it could have existed. I just don't see it. Well, you've got a Native American on horseback represent of representative of what they were in 1858. And how, were, how are we determining that the Native American is without clothing? I think there might be clothing there. I can't well, tell. Maybe a loincloth. But the farmer, if the farmer's barefoot, he's got one of those old plows. And not, not uh, in my version, he's not. He's not barefoot in your uh, version. No, but there's so many different versions here. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at, at uh, the pre 1971 version right now. Hold on, let me catch up. I guess I don't have a horse in the race. If it's going to get changed, it's going to get changed. Yeah, he's got a little loincloth thing on. Care. He's not buck naked. I'm on the Wikipedia page. and Did you read this? In March 2017, Guy Johnson of St. Paul started a petition on change.org to change the Minnesota state flag, calling it shameful due to its unoriginality and laziness. What's unoriginal about it? I don't know. <laughs> sure as hell looks original oh, to here, me. As of uh, February 2018, this is one year ago, the uh, petition has Two received... Two years ago. Uh, oh, correct. Right, right. The petition had received 400 signatures. No. <laughs> I just don't think it's a pressing issue. Picking up some momentum, huh? It doesn't seem like well, it. We're getting to the bottom of it. Well, among other hard-hitting issues, there is the push now to make daylight savings time permanent. Don't we do that every once in a while in the legislative yeah, session? Yeah, I just want to waste. There is an interest at the state capitol to keep Minnesota in the daylight saving time zone permanently, but sleep specialists say that's actually not the best idea for our health. I didn't know that. Shouldn't we do what the rest of the nation does so we're all on the same clock? Well, the rest of the nation is, with the exception of Arizona and Indiana, we're all on daylight savings time. Right. Yeah. We've all memorized the saying, fallbacks bring forward when it comes to setting our clock. The Uniform Time Act of 1966 provides the basic framework for alternating between daylight saving time and standard time, which the U.S. started observing after World War II. Now the lawmakers think the tradition is outdated, and they want to, uh, they want to get us into full time. In 2018, California and Florida voted to make daylight saving time permanent. And in 2019, six more states followed suit, but they still need approval from the federal government to implement the change. Dr. Andrew Steim, sleep specialist with Alina Health, said the scientific opinion is that staying on standard time is the best option. We all would just like more sunshine and more stability, and I just think keeping things clearer and not as confusing, like what is daylight savings time versus standard time, I think there's some momentum, Dr. Steim said. At risk of throwing coins in the scan bucket, wasn't the whole idea behind it was so that there was more daylight for when the kids went to school and got on the bus and whatnot? Yeah, I think it also has some agricultural yeah. roots Let me, so uh, the kids yeah. could get out in the field. Yeah. Let me 
ask you something. What do you do if you work and live in differing time zones? How's that work? I have no what idea. Mean, if you're in like Indiana and Ohio, and you're where's the where's the mountain time zone? Is that Bismarck? No, it's uh, it used to be New Salem in North Dakota. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, I know in South Dakota because I drove by it a couple of weeks ago. It was just uh, east of Rapid City. So how's that work? You live in one and you work in the other. What 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 goes on there? What if it yeah? Runs, what do you do, Joe? What if it runs right through your town? I think you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I think you do? I think you adapt. I don't, I don't think you really do anything else but adapt. Right, you right? have to adapt. <laughs> These and other questions, Such doesn't no, want to answer. No, I got a better idea, Kenny. Coming up next. Honey, I'll be home at 9. Oh, you use it for your... Oh, life. yeah. Yeah. Well, it only works for a night or two. So, uh, so far, we're worried about the flag, and yep. we're worried about the time. Yep. Uh, I'd what more, time it is. I'm more worried about the debt and spending and Palsy, what nature. time is it? Lim! Mm-hmm. So good luck to them at the uh, state level. I think it's fantastic that they're taking up such crucial issues. Yes. <laughs> Big stuff. Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen is one of the last Twin Cities truly family-owned dealers. A lot of people think their local dealer name is still run by the same family that used to run it 20 to 30 years ago. No, all these dealerships have traded hands. The only way Schmelz Countryside can compete with these huge companies is by providing excellent customer service and maintaining relationships that they've had for 50 years or more. Excuse me. Schmelz Countryside knows this and continues to provide an exceptional personal experience focused on long-term vehicle solutions for their customers. Check out the Volkswagen family of SUVs, including the Tiguan and Atlas, roomy, available in two or three rows, all the latest technology. The 2020 Volkswagen Tiguan is on the ground, ready for delivery. You're not going to have trouble finding Countryside. Schmelz Countryside is on the southeast quadrant of... Highway 36 and Highway 61 in Maplewood. What's that? That's 10 minutes from Minneapolis. Nothing. It's five minutes from St. Paul. And uh, you can find out more details at schmelzvw.com. Truth, Justice, and the Souchereau. Thank you, Joe. Let's talk about 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins. The crew was just there uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's Valentine's Day, fellas. Take your gal, or hey, take your guy, ladies, to 30 Bales in downtown Hopkins. They have a wonderful lunch menu. How about this? Wild-caught, seared mahi sandwich with bacon, lettuce, tomato, chipotle lime, aioli. Huh? Ah. That sounds pretty good. Uh, step in there, 30bales.com. You can see their entire menu. They have a great lunch menu and a fantastic happy hour. Yes, Kenny? I have a question. I've already taken my wife there. Is it okay if I take my girlfriend there for Valentine's Day? It's absolutely. Good. It's right. always great to introduce a new audience to 30 Bales Are, are the restaurant. owners discreet? Are they going to tell my wife? Your secret's safe with them, Kenny. Awesome. Uh, what thir- happens at 30 Bales stays at 30 Bales. <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. 3 to Perfect. 6 p.m. is their happy hour. That happens Tuesday through Friday, and then also check out their uh, brunch Saturday, Sunday from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Make sure you check in with Todd and Tom. They are the longtime owners of that establishment, and they are big-time fans of the Garage Logic podcast. 
Here's Johnny. Why, thank you, Joe. The St. John's, uh, this is a note, uh, sports note. The St. John's-St. Thomas football rivalry is heading for U.S. Bank Stadium this fall, and that, uh, that'll probably be it then. The school's announced Wednesday the teams will meet November 7th, 1 in the afternoon, at the Vikings Stadium. Technically, it'll be a home game for St. John's. Does uh, that mean they get the revenue? Yep, they get the gate. Home they get the gets gate? the gate. Yep. Rivalry spans 119 years. The Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference voted last spring to remove St. Thomas. And this fall will bring the Tommies' final football season in the conference that they helped form. St. Thomas is working to make the leap from Division Three to Division One as an invitation from the Summit League. Such a move would likely mark the end of this we got to go, don't we? I think that would be a fun game to go to. I think to. I have to. I'm an alum. We got a report from our uh, our our buddy Tom here in the building that thirty seven thousand attended the last game. Was Ooh. it at Target Center? Target Field. Target Field. Excuse me. Yeah. Thirty seven thousand. When is it? What's the date? November seventh. Oh yeah, I won't. I'll be hunting. One p.m. Have fun, fellas. They'll, They'll get what 50, time, John? One. Uh, one p.m. One, 1 in the afternoon. Uh, yep. Saturday. November seventh must be. Yes, I, would assume I will so. verify that. And so that would be your first uh, step into the new U.S. Bank, wouldn't it, Joe? Yeah. Well, you're going to see the Stones. I am probably. Oh, good well, that'd, that'd yeah. be your first step. Yeah. In that is a yeah. Saturday. In news, Minnesota law enforcement saw surges in meth, cocaine, and heroin seizures last year. More evidence, they say, that drug cartels are operating a thriving network from Mexico to the Midwest. The state's task forces, called the Violent Crime Enforcement Teams, impounded over 1,700 pounds of meth, a 49% increase from 2018, and a 625% rise over the past five years, according to new data released by the Department of Public Safety. The task forces, designed to target drug and gang crime, uh, confiscated 55 pounds of heroin last year, more than double the amount in 2018. They seized 106 pounds of cocaine, an 80% increase from the year before. The data reflect a vast shift in drug trafficking in Minnesota over the past two decades. In 2003, during the height of the last meth wave, authorities discovered 410 meth labs in Minnesota. Last year, they found only four. So instead, Mexican cartel organizations have staked their claim here. Minnesota's become a national distribution hub for meth, creating a new epidemic of cheaper and more potent product, they say, than ever before. The U.S. Attorney Erica McDonald said meth is our biggest drug of choice here, and it's mostly cartel meth. Much of the cocaine and heroin is also coming from the Mexico pipeline. <coughs> Local and federal cops have been working together to thwart the drug surge. Last fall, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration announced a new field office based in Duluth to help mitigate the drug trade ravaging the North Shore area. So, Joe, what you're saying is this might be a tad bit bigger of an issue than someone being offended by the state flag? I believe so. Okay. John, may, may I introduce a note here? Certainly. A very confusing story. Uh-huh. A Georgia fire captain, an Atlanta Georgia fire captain, has been suspended from his job because he ran into a burning house to rescue a 95-year-old woman. Atlanta Fire Captain Daniel Thomas Dwyer was suspended without pay because he broke protocol when he heroically rushed into the burning home of 95-year-old Sally Scrine last June, WXIA-TV reported. Apparently, Dwyer was supposed to wait for his fire crew before attempting to save Scrine's life. WXIA obtained Dwyer's disciplinary report, which states, you entered the structure without your crew members, which is an immediate conflict with no freelancing, accountability, and maintaining crew integrity. Wow. Paul Gertis, the head of the fire station, told WAGA-TV that Dwyer made a split-second decision to enter the burning home 
because the intensity of the blaze significantly decreased the survival chances of any occupants. Gerda said Dwyer's suspension sends the wrong message. Unfortunately, Scrine was unable to survive her injuries. Dwyer will be suspended without pay for four days and will be able to return to work on Feb 19, WXIA reported. There's no evidence in the story that he was otherwise a miscreant in any way. It sounds no, like he he's thinking... He, he broke protocol. Well, Where the hell's my crew? Let's go, you, guys. You don't leave your wingman. No, they weren't with him. Uh, they hadn't arrived, apparently. He was a civilian in that case? No, no. But he, I don't know how he got well, there. Well, you know, the, the chiefs, though, uh, sometimes do arrive in a separate car. He may have arrived prior to the uh, the... The rest of the crew being there and went in and said, I, this is burning, i got to get this It'd guy. be fun to hear from a firefighter and hear what the rules are there. I, I assumed it was you don't leave your wingman. I bet we're going to get a lot of email about yeah. this because yeah. we got a lot of firefighters that listen. Well, isn't the guy a hero? You would yes. think so. In so, my huh? book, yeah. You know, maybe maybe they all think that, but they're just following, following protocol with this. You know, it's only four days. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. I want the guy to come in and oh, get absolutely, me. absolutely, without a doubt. And he, in my world, he is a hero. <laughs> yeah. But his joke. I'm in here. I'm a bad waiter. <laughs> but, but they probably have to acknowledge the fact that he broke protocol, uh, and, and probably behind closed doors, they're going thanks. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Job. Well, he's appealing the decision too. Huh. Yeah. Right. Dumb well, question. Do you do you take an oath? Uh, Firefighters, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't no doubt idea. it. I have no idea. But in the in the in the handbook and the manual for training, yes, you got to wait for your. But that doesn't present a real life situation where there's so many other variables that would would come up. With the start of the 2020 census just a month away for most U.S. residents, the U.S. Census Bureau is behind in recruiting workers and establishing partnerships with civic groups and is at risk of missing some informational technology testing goals, all of this according to a new report released Wednesday. While the Census Bureau has succeeded so far in early tasks of verifying addresses across the U.S. and launching an advertising campaign, the agency's readiness for the upcoming operation is mixed, according to the GAO. The report was made public during a hearing by the House Committee on Oversight and Reform Wednesday morning. The GAO report said the Bureau was at risk of missing testing milestones for five operations, including one that would allow people to self-respond and another for following up with households that haven't answered the questions on their own. Nick Marinos, the GAO's Director of Information Technology, said where the risk is, is just time. We're in a pressure cooker of time to get things done. Lawmakers holding the hearing Wednesday to get an update from Census Bureau Director Steve Dillingham and other agency officials on its readiness for the largest and most complex headcount in U.S. history. Do you have to respond? Hmm. Are you breaking a law if you refuse to fill out the census form? Why would you? Why would you fill it out? Why, why would, would you refuse? Why would you refuse? I'm not saying I would. I'm just curious. Well, you've got some dark thoughts. Yeah. I don't know. Why do they have to know how many bathrooms I have? I suppose it's oh. determine water use. Oh, things this, like that. this is a Midwestern <coughs> thing. I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I got a great deal on it. I, I didn't pay a lot of money. It's one of those days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting a complete. I, I understand. Getting a complete and accurate census count is critically important. State and local officials. I, I get that. I get it. I'm okay, not, a, I'm not that far gone. And while you are required by law to participate, there you the go. Census Bureau is also required by law to protect your answers. What did we change with it under Obama? What was the, the piece of no the idea. Census? No Three idea. hots in a cot. 
No, Tell them we are two with a dog. <laughs> Boom. Do you have to give all that information that you just said? To, yeah, you just it's, give, a, it's an endless filling You out. can't do everybody who lives there the How address? How many faucets do you have? You know, really? Yeah, well, me, I don't remember me, that. Yeah, yeah. And you know they're going to use that to raise your taxes. I don't think I've ever filled taxes. anything out for the census. Ever. I don't recall that. I'm just going to lie. Former President Barack Obama did not eliminate a question about U.S. citizenship. That is a myth. Because I thought I had I had read that before. Mm. Oh. You should hear us lie when the county assessor rolls up to the farm. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't I don't know where he is. I, I don't have no idea who owns this joint. The big you know. GLer. He's probably listening, Kenny. No, he's a commie. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, update on a story we had a while back. A woman accused of hate crimes in the Des Moines area, including intentionally running over a girl that she thought was Mexican, has been ruled incompetent for trial. 42-year-old Nicole Poole charged with assault and violation of individual, uh, individual rights for an incident at a convenience store and also with attempted murder. Police have said she intentionally ran over two children with her SUV. Jeez. Both survived. On December 30th, a judge ordered an evaluation for Poole after her attorney reported he'd only just met Poole, but he thought she was incompetent. After hearing evidence the, uh, and the arguments, the judge ruled a thir- uh, Tuesday excuse me, by a preponderance of evidence that the defendant is suffering from a mental disorder. The judge suspended case proceedings, ordered state treatment for Poole to restore her to competency. Authorities say Poole drove her SUV onto a sidewalk in the Des Moines suburb of Clive. On December 9th, they hit 14-year-old Natalia Miranda. The girl was hospitalized for two days. Clive Police Chief Michael Venema has said Poole told officers she targeted Miranda with her vehicle because, quote, the girl is a Mexican. Well, that doesn't mean you get to run up and hit her, you uh, dummy. Right. No, well, she's got issues. Another update. Uh, remember this story? The St. Louis County uh, fellow who uh, was a police lieutenant, and uh, he says he was passed over for promotion 23 times and told to tone down his gayness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that in this state? No, that was in Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis County, yep. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, awarded $10.25 million in a wow. settlement with the county. Go get him. The agreement with Keith Wildhaber was finalized Monday, hours after St. Louis County Police Chief John Belmer announced he's retiring. Although jurors had awarded Wildhaber nearly $20 million in October, each side had reason to negotiate because of the money. Wildhaber, uh, Wildhaber excuse me, who was a sergeant at the time of the trial, couldn't be reached after this agreement. The county would have avoided a massive verdict uh, back in April of 2019 if they had just offered, uh, taken Wildhaber's offer to settle for eight hundred fifty grand. Instead, the county's lawyer said they did nothing wrong, went to trial. He now gets ten point two five. Million dollars. <clears throat> Weird story in Tennessee. Republican lawmakers there are raising objections to a proposal that would add feminine hygiene products to the list of items that can be purchased during the state's annual sales tax holiday, according to the Associated Press. My Hold first up. first question about this story was, who has sales tax holidays? We don't, do we? Apparently, they do. We never do, right? I am not aware of No, but I've heard of other states doing that. This happens uh, for one weekend every year, the last Friday of July, I had to look it up, where they don't get the charge sales tax on materials when they buy them. According to the AP, GOP lawmakers worried that women would abuse the law and buy too many feminine hygiene products during the pause on state sales tax. Well, how much money are they saving? I mean, how much is a box of tampons, Matthew? You're probably... (laughs) Uh, but uh, if you go 36 count, it's about 12.99. He shoots and he scores. Oh. 
You know, the best part was watching Kenny sit on that line, oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was just sitting out there on the water, little ducks swimming around, and kaboom. <laughs> Republican State Senator Joey Hensley said during the debate, I would think since it's a sales tax holiday, there's really no limit anyway on the number of items anybody can purchase. I don't know how you would limit the number of items that somebody could buy. Well, I actually went down the list. I was going to ask Such, and then I remembered their age, and... I certainly have no idea because I'm old, and then I thought about Matt. You know, it's, well, a, it's a weekly run for you. Roughly, I'd say if you're going to go with the um, Tampax Pearl at Walmart, uh, you can go the triple pack, uh, about nine dollars and twelve cents, if I remember so correctly. It's twelve cents, so you buy a hundred dollars worth, you're saving what uh, uh, two bucks at the most. I think it's a yeah. non-issue. I yeah, mean, if you pull it's up a non-issue. Uh, you, could, you can do load. one more story. It's we'll, better we'll, be better well, well, wait, it was nine twelve for the thing, so the tax on that would be say seven percent. So let's say sixty three cents. You lost me. So a hundred yeah. bucks worth would be six thirty. I and don't that's care. A, that's a fifty pack. So you're buying care. in bulk at that. Point. Well, there's you know, I mean, there's another two and a half pages. Great. Story. No, I'll I don't want any more of that over. story. I got I one more. Then I don't right. care about let me, let me products. See, let me see. If you're going products. with Kotex, Kotex is a little cheaper at six ninety nine. Learn when to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 25 years you've been saying that. Actually. I have, and it's never sunk <laughs> in. That, yeah. It's never sunk in. A Wichita Falls man was found sleeping inside a woman's car, and that woman didn't know who the man was. Wichita Falls police responded to the 4100 block of Cypress Avenue February 10th about a burglary of a habitation. Upon arrival, the woman told police there was a man sleeping in her car in her garage. Suppose he told you I was speeding, too. <laughs> she, <laughs> she said she did not give the man permission to enter her car in any way and didn't know him. Officers identified the male as 31-year-old Quentin Griffin. He was arrested for criminal te- trespassing of a habitation. Griffin being held in the Wichita County Jail on two grand in bonds for the charge. Well, that's fantastic, John. Okay. Just a great way to wrap it up. and uh, It's kind of a nice way to wrap it up. Rook's got to head to the makeup store. Heading in yeah. now to the uh, the great cold front that's going Ooh. to... Uh, Are we going to be okay? Greet us as we leave the building. And we're probably all going to be in serious trouble. Are we going to... We're going to have a better show tomorrow, right? I hope so. Yeah, me too. Because uh, there'll be a meeting I, I, here uh, following this show. I'm with Johnny. I'm i got to be sure. somewhere. Yeah. No, you're not going to be gotta anywhere. Write. You're going to stay right <laughs> I here. i got to write. i got to write. i got to get out. i got to write. Can't write your name. <laughs> You're not that, writing. We have to do the one T or is that two? Oh, yeah. you know what? It's Positive Thursday tomorrow, sponsored by Schoonover Body Scooty. Works and Glass. We'll be talking to Mike. All right, very good. And if you want to catch up on some of your podcasts during this cold spell, you can uh, go to GarageLogic.com or on your phone app, download PodMN. If you need a little more information, go to your computer and go to podmn.com to learn more about how you can get some of Minnesota's greatest podcasts.